Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Welcome back to another episode, Space Family. Hey, hey, hey. I know we are going to be a little bit spotty here in the next few weeks. We have a lot of things going on in our personal life, so we just want to warn you guys up front. We might be bi-weekly for the next few weeks. It's been such a hectic August, and it's not even over. I don't have time for anything. I feel like my brain is just like full. I'm like, ugh, it's just so much going on. Yeah, I am starting a new job, and so my schedule's weird, and Brie is remodeling her home. Slash moving, oh my God. slash lots of things. Yeah, slash trying to figure it all out and buy everything from scratch, basically. It's just crazy. It's such a crazy time. But we're here right now for you guys, and we have a little bit of an interesting episode today. We're going to do Texas's 33rd parallel. So I know we've done like a big 33rd parallel episode, but I was trying to find something like a little easy breezy for this episode so me and Brie wouldn't hurt our brains too much by like <laughs> doing a shit ton of research and trying to remember all of that and juggle our real life, you know? Yeah. I found myself researching Texas cases for some reason, something just in my mind. And I'm writing all these like big ones down and like I'm looking at crop circles and like, you know, weird for- folklore. And as I'm writing all of this down, I'm thinking to myself, I wonder if these all happen to be on the 33rd parallel because I know that that's kind of like a magical thing and I'm looking at all these town names and mm-hmm. sure as shit. As I'm looking at the coordinates of these things, I'm starting to realize they're either exactly on the 33rd parallel or hovering literally like barely above it. And I'm like, okay, we're kind of on to something. So I was like, let's pick a few of these bigger cases that we all kind of know about, but dig into them a little bit just to, you know, refresh everybody's minds or see if there's anything that people don't know about yet. Texas is probably a hot spot. And shout out to UFO Jane and her website, Texas UFO Sightings. I'm sure that there's a ton, a ton of stuff to look into when it comes to Texas. You always hear about crazy sightings that have happened in the past and then also carrying over into the present. They always say something about the desert, you know, like the desert area. And Texas has lots of open desert. So I would imagine, of course, people see some crazy shit out there. Probably, too, just the old Western past, you know, a lot of crazy shit happening there. A lot there. of paranormal, I know, goes yeah. on there. Probably trapped ghosts and entities. We should take a trip to, to Texas together. That'd be fun. I'm down with that. We can do that. I've only they been have... one time. Alien Con is in Texas, but we're oh, not going to that I'm one this year. Yeah. All right, let's jump into our first case. And we're going to start off pretty simple because I think this is an easy-peasy one, and we don't have to go into too much detail. The Aurora, Texas crash, which you know, has been lovingly called the Texas Roswell. Definitely. Um, So can you tell me a little bit about, like, what happened? Basically the same thing as Roswell. (laughs) (laughs) There was a crash. There were bodies that allegedly had died there and that were taken. You know, I'm questionable, to be honest. I Mm -hmm. really am questionable because I wonder if just talk getting around the town, people start to either confuse stories. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they sound almost identical. Well, what's kind of interesting about this one is this is one of the very first ones because it was like in 1897, which was before the Wright brothers have even flown, if I remember correctly. 
So sure. the idea of something flying in the air, that's a little strange for that time to me. I do suspect that people were flying ship before people thought oh, it was course. obvious. Of course, of course. Of course, of course. Possible. What's interesting, I think, about this case is this is one of those ones where, like, it's pretty split down the middle of, like, a 50-50 hoax versus mm-hmm. real situation. You have the idea of this thing came down, it's on this farmer's land, something about <laughs> it, like, crashed into a windmill, and there was, like, a well under the windmill, For some reason, the farmer, after the crash happened, he, like, took all the pieces of the UFO and threw them down the well. And then, like, the well got contaminated and he got sick with... This is my favorite part. He says the well gave him arthritis. (laughs) Arthritis. Like, of all the weird things that you could say contaminated you, you know what I mean? Like, of all the illnesses to give yourself, you were like, it was arthritis. It's just like Roswell, the mm-hmm. rancher. He has to breeze it. He just he just takes it thinking like, eh, eh, it's just some chunks of shit. Yeah, it's it's very interesting, the parallels between the two, which makes it even more interesting because both of those cases are definitely more of a 50-50 kind of thing where mm-hmm. you don't know whether or not, is it, is it not? I honestly have no idea. And like, I would love to have like been there to see it myself. And of course, only those kind of people are going to know that. But it's an interesting, the parallels, and I believe they both happened on the 33rd yeah, parallel. Yeah, that's true. To counter what I was saying earlier, just a thought, maybe humans actually are just that predictable and we do the exact same things. Just a rancher doesn't think anything of it. You yeah. Know, a lot of us are just kind of like ants over here, so. Well, they do say that history is doomed to repeat itself. Right. Simpletons. Maybe. They're like, what the fuck does metal shit right here? All right, well, let's go into our second, a little bit more complicated case then. Why you gotta go make things so, so complicated? This is another one that kind of mimics another famous sighting out there. Are you familiar with the Lubbock, Texas incident? Famously known as the Lubbock Lights. Yes, I was going to say, people call them the Texas Phoenix Lights. Definitely. Actually very similar in photograph. Well, not only that, but in length as well. The amount of days that it went on. The, it, mm-hmm. like, it, and not only that, but are we? Are, is this another double parallel incident that we're looking at right here, right now? Yeah, Phoenix. Right? Ooh. Ooh. You see what I mean? I started to look into this and I was like, oh, wait a second. I didn't think about that, to be honest. Yeah. And so this one is super, super similar. Similar. There was like hundreds of people who saw it, including the most famous part of it was like a giant group of university teachers and professors and students and heads of departments. And they were in, you know, some professor's backyard and they had started to see it. And what makes this case so interesting is that all of these professors and stuff started to really document it. For the days that they kept seeing it, they were trying to take photos, they were taking measurements. Like this is one of the most well-documented cases out there. Yeah, I believe they were all sitting outside just on a nice night, just chatting, you know, smoking their pipes. I know I've seen pictures of them all gathering together and they're smoking their pipes. And that thing flew over the sky. They saw it fly right over the city. And they said, I think they said they estimated it was going like 600 miles Mm -hmm. an hour. I imagine them being professors, very smart people that they knew, okay, this isn't right. So then they went and they did their own research and they conducted their own investigation. Oh yeah, it was a geology professor an engineering professor, a physics professor, and the head of the petroleum engineering department at Texas Tech. Yeah. Like, those are some smart people. And they witnessed seeing this, like, V-shaped formation of about 15 to 30 kind of bluish-green lights that kind of just went right over their heads. And like I said, it wasn't just one-time thing. It happened more than once. It happened over multiple days, just like how the Phoenix lights did. There was, it's known as the Hart photo, I believe. I Mm -hmm. think his name was Carl Hart. Yes, And he was a student, and he took the pictures. They came out phenomenal. 
there's no way you can dispute that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. They tried to enhance the photo so you could see through the mm-hmm. the little lights, the lights to see if it was some other hoax or illusion, and there was nothing in between them. Mm. What's really interesting is that the professors, I believe, said there's no way those things were going so fast. So how the hell did he get a picture of it? But that also shows that these were on completely two different days, two different times. So one minute, it's like speeding over the sky. The next minute, it could be going much slower for everyone to get a good look at it. Yeah, absolutely. And did you hear about the reasoning, what they said that they think it was? Because that was a Project Blue Book case. Actually, I think it was a Project Grudge case. No, it was a Project Blue Book case. And it is in it, uh, Jay, um, one of my favorite people that we've come, Edward J. Ruplet, was one of the ones to investigate it. Now, are you talking about the scientist what they think it was or what Ruplet thinks it was? What Ruplet? Well, two different things because they first said that it was the plovers, the birds. Oh, okay. So. And then yeah. I know what his uh, know what his final response to it which was, which was very vague and stupid. Okay, I was going to say the same thing. So first he was like, oh, maybe it was birds or something. And then I think he even said himself, he's like, but it wasn't birds. What I did find out what it was, I can't tell you. Yeah. It's like top secret. I told my, like my source who told me, I said I wouldn't say because it would give him away. So um, it's something natural, but I can't explain anything else to you. Yeah. And I know there's been a lot of talk for a while about that case because he had written a book and later in the book said that even though he knew the answer by whoever the scientist that he's protecting, mm-hmm that a higher-up group were doing their own investigations who he could not name, and they thought that it was something basically extraterrestrial. Basically. So he's saying, oh, yeah, there's this other group here. Um, Hello, Majestic 12, ring a bell. Anyways. <laughs> and they think it's something extraterrestrial, but I know it's something natural. I just can't tell you. And I just can't tell you about yeah, it exactly. Yeah, like, come on. So that's an interesting one, the circumstances around it. It's interesting how we're starting to get on this 33rd parallel that it's seems a little bit like we're starting to repeat the different events that happened and the similarities between all of them. So let's go on to our third one, Loveland, Texas. Dun, dun. So November 2nd and 3rd, 1957. This is such an interesting one to me because they tried so hard to dispute it and to say it was something natural. But no matter how they keep trying to define it as something natural, it was not natural what happened there. There was yeah. some weird fucking shit, and they cannot, their natural explanation of it just literally doesn't make scientific sense to me. It's funny that at the time, they thought that they could throw out these scientific terms, and everyone gobbled it up. And now that, you know, time has gone by, science has gone better, people learn more about what's possible and what's not possible. I think we're able to look back and think, or to know that there's no way that could have been a logical explanation. And so if someone were to say that now, it would immediately be tossed to the side. Oh, absolutely. But back then, they're just like, okay, the scientist said so. The scientist. Well, and this is another one where they have, like, tons of witnesses. Like, it it didn't just happen to one person on someone's farm, you know, and it could be one person making up a story. And again, not only just lots of witnesses, but credible witnesses even looking into this. So what we have here is in Loveland, Texas, we have a phenomenon where this egg-shaped craft, we're going to call it, is basically like hanging out in the middle of the old roads <laughs> yeah. and like emitting this light and it's making any sort of electronics or motors around it completely cut off. So the first time it happens, there's these two guys, Pedro and Joe, and they're on their way home from work. And in the middle of the road stops this weird egg-shaped thing. And at the time, they said it looked blue to them. And the car starts to like sputter. 
and then the engine cuts out. One of them jumps out of the car, and as they're trying to approach it, the thing like goes and takes off. Mm-hmm. And as soon as it takes off, their car starts right back up again. Like, oh, okay, go for it. So they're freaked out. They call it in to the local sheriff, and the local sheriff thinks it's some type of joke. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. That's all right. <laughs> but then, not even a few minutes later, this like well-known guy in town, Jim Wheeler, who also happens to be like some sort of a farmer, same thing. He's driving down the road. He sees this weird egg-shaped thing. I think he said it was more of like a white light that was coming out of it. You will see between all of these people, the different colors they see is different, which doesn't make sense, again, when you think about the natural factor that they try to claim that it right. is. So he sees this thing, and it's the exact same situation. He comes up to it. His, like, lights go out. The radio stops working. The, the engine sputters. It dies. He gets out to go look at it, and as soon as he gets out, the thing gets up and takes off, and bam, his car starts to work again. And he just gets several of those phone calls over Mm. the next two, three hours. Yeah, I think the story is pretty much the same with everyone, that either if they were driving a car or whether it was a radio, that the car basically, whatever electronic starts to malfunction and stop working when this thing is around. And then when it takes off, everything goes back to normal. Yeah, it's very indicative, I would say, of a lot of these, like, Hollywood-type movies when you come to, like, UFO abductions where it's, like, someone driving down the backcountry road and their Mm -hmm. car stops working. It's, like, almost that exact same thing, but in real life. That would be really scary. And this is 1957, uh, before these kind of big movies were out like this, you know? This is maybe where they got a little bit of the inspiration from, you know what I'm saying? Probably. And I know a lot of abduction stories have been like that, you know? They're just cruising down the road, and all of a sudden their car just dies. And then they wake back up, and the car started again. I wonder if any of these people were abducted in the process, and they didn't realize it. Cruising down the street, my UFO, abducting the bitches. Abducting the house. Right? I can just see him tooting down. So this is an interesting case because you have this weird claim of this UFO technology stopping things here on Earth. And, you know, that's not the only time we've seen stuff like that, even in cars. You know, we're talking like, you know, maybe military devices that they have, you know, things that could come out the the different technology they could have from something like Absolutely. this. Absolutely. And it's interesting that it's this egg shaped because that's, again, another UFO that we've seen in many a cases before, and all of these UFOs are always emitting some sort of a light, which is like, ding, 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 ticking boxes. So <laughs> far, I'm going to be like, oh, UFO. Multiple people, it's like hovering around the same roads. Like, what What else could this be? Tell me, Brie, w- what conclusion did they come to? Garbage. <laughs> An electrical storm. Ball lightning. It's just every, all of Space it just dust. makes no sense. Yeah. They say it was ball lightning. It could have been this electrical storm. And they're trying, they said that they went back and they looked at like the weather patterns and stuff like that. What the fuck? Here's the thing. So J. Allen Hynek looked into this one, which was, this is another Project Blue Book case, guys, which interesting 33rd parallel, Project Blue Book, you know, Blue They Book. made it seem really strange on Project Blue Book, the TV series, by the way. Did they? Yeah. They did both of these cases, actually. Lubbock and Loveland. Ooh, but was... they were not the way that they are. Well, I think <laughs> you have sense. to remember that in all of these, like, TV shows and stuff, they always put extra sauce on it. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes less sauce. You think so? It was, like, yeah, less? Yeah, it was, like, Ooh. less. You never actually saw the formation, the egg-shaped craft that mm. they only like reported. insinuated they, what it was yeah they really just showed because you know there were some people that said they saw some weird shit flying in the sky too like electrical mm-hmm. stuff flying which is why i think they took off with the whole electrical storm theory 
that's the only thing they really covered. That it was this weird electrical shit. It flew over their car. Their car starts to, like, spaz out. And they're basically, like, getting shocked and stuff. Well, the one thing that I like about this case is J. Allen Hynek, because although primarily when the United States Air Force came in and did their report and said that it was like the ball lightning, the electrical storm, St. Elmo's fighter, you know, whatever one of those it wanted to choose and or all of them, he originally signed off and it was like, yeah, that shirt's what, that's what it is. But then later, J. Allen Hynek came back and he was like, okay, guys, here's the thing. <laughs> I take back what I did. I shouldn't have signed off on this. There's no way that this is what it was. So I give him props for that to go back and be like, listen, that explanation, although I did sign my name to it and be like, yep, that's it, I was wrong. And clearly something else is going on here. So that whole instance is a little bit more open-ended left, you know what I mean? Like, right. And so I, it would be interesting to me if we could investigate it, but we can't because we're not there. And you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing Too we can time. do. Exactly. Like, we can't go back and recreate it in any way. There's no, there's nothing we can do. And it makes me so sad because I would, that's, it's such a good one. And it had so much evidence at the time that we just don't have access to. I think that Levelin and Lubbock had a lot of evidence to both of the cases. Mm -hmm. And I think it was proven that both of the explanations that they gave were not... Were just bullshit. Were not true at all. Yeah. I mean, hard evidence. Well, Levelin, you don't have any photographs, but the fact is that you have so many witness accounts, so many call-ins that the sheriff reported. Oh, was the the fire chief saw it? Yeah. Same thing happened to his car. It wasn't just like weird back road people calling in. Like, these are well-established citizens who are like, yo, something's going on here. One of the sheriff's witnesses, I believe. And I think anytime there's a mass sighting, it's one thing to call someone here and there, like, crazy, making shit up. But it's yeah. another thing when it's an entire town. Absolutely. And they were right next to each other. I think that they're basically butting up to each other. So, yeah, what's interesting about that is I'm going to tell you the exact north parallel that they're on. So we have uh, Loveland, Texas is on 33.58. We have Lubbock on 33.57 and Aurora on 33.06. So they're literally on top of each other. Like the 33rd parallel right here, you, you step in any direction, it's there. Like if you live on the 33rd parallel in Texas, you probably have UFOs in your backyard. Most likely. Like, you are the people who should be sitting outside with, like, some cameras or whatever it is you use and lasers and try to see some shit because you're in it. It's there all the time. All you need to do is open your eyes and look upward. So I'd like to turn the tables and get out of, you know, the famous UFO cases and talk about one of my favorite things in the whole wide world, which, again, we've done an entire episode on some of these. But we're talking about a UFO cult that we didn't talk about originally when we did our UFO cult episode, but happens to lie right on the 33rd parallel of Texas. Which one? Chen Tao cult. Oh. (laughs) When it's come up on my search before, Mm -hmm. I didn't take it seriously and I scrolled past (laughs) it. So I was like, is that like some weird Chinese alien cult? That's exactly what it is. Okay. So uh, Chen Tao, which means true way in Chinese, was founded by this guy named Chen. Obviously, he named it after himself in 1993 in Taiwan. He was a former professor of sociology and he took the ideas of Buddhism, Christianity, and this new wave alien kind of craze that was going on in the West. And he kind of built his foundation over like, you know, in the Asian countries and then eventually found his way in Texas in a place called Garland, Texas. And he set up shop there. He convinced a bunch of, I mean, for lack of a better term, a bunch of rich white people to fund him and to move there and to start this cult. 
And so it's kind of like every other cult in the world. It's like he's the one true person who can hear the quote-unquote God, and these people need to give him money so he can give him prophecies and all these things. Another part of kind of what makes it very culty, because this happens in a lot of cults, but he was said to have a you know a, a prophecy that God was coming back. And it wasn't just that God was like going to come down and save them or anything. It was that God was going to come down in his UFO to go on the Channel 8 News and talk about his second coming. And like a lot of people ask him questions about like, well, like every Channel 8 news or like just in Texas. Right. They're but, like, I don't get direct TV. Yeah. And and his excuse for all of it was like, God doesn't care what time zone or what you have <laughs> at that time. Your TV will basically turn on. It'll channel, be channel 8. Channel 8 will come on and God will come down and talk to you. Another funny thing about UFOs they have here. So um, one of the the kind of fundamentals of the Chen Tao cult is that the world has gone through like multiple tribulations. So like we're talking about, you know, maybe like fires and floods and things like that. And every time it happens, how people and humanity get saved is these people who believe in the Chen Tao, uh, God comes down in a spaceship and saves them. And then the earth gets ruined and then God puts them back. Like, yeah. Exactly. So I always I thought that was a little bit interesting. Like God could God could pick he can create the world and people and disasters, but he has to fly in a UFO to get down here. <laughs> that just seemed a little bit interesting to me. Like he was just sprinkling aliens on there, like just for shits and giggles. Like, well, I'll p- sprinkle a little of this on here because that's what people are into. Yeah, why not? So of course this day comes around, March 31st, 1998, and uh guess what didn't happen? The second coming never came. No. God, God did not come. Yeah, God did not pop up on the TV screen and be like, hey guys, I'm here to save your souls. Like that didn't happen. So of course people are like questioning him and they're like, WTF. And he does what I think all of these people do the first time around. Whoa. They change the date. Yeah. He pushed out, although to be fair to him, he just pushed out a few weeks. He was like, it's okay, it's just a few weeks from now. My calculations were slightly off a few weeks. A few weeks goes by, guess what? Doesn't happen. Of course not, because it's not going to. And this time people are like, ugh, I'm over it. So he effectively, very quietly, moves <laughs> away to New York to with what little followers he has left. And the Chen Tao cult basically completely disappears. We have no idea where the leader is. We don't really know what happened to any of them, and they're just gone. So how long were they on the 33rd parallel for? About two years. Oh, okay. So not that long, but it happened to be on the the 33rd parallel, and it happened— The thing was, and the reason they moved to this 33rd parallel in Texas was because a a vision came, and God said that this was a chosen place. So Mm. I found that to be interesting that you chose somewhere in the middle of Texas that God picked, and it so happened to be— Exactly on the 33rd parallel. Probably really cheap land. I mean, I would assume, yeah. (laughs) That's probably why. So now we're going to do a pretty famous UFO sighting in Texas that happened from an airplane. We're talking pilots and we're talking crew. We're talking real credible witnesses here, people. We're not talking about strangers. We're not talking about Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) We're talking about famous cases in Texas where like credible people saw it. And we're talking about Bovina, Texas in 1995, the American West Airlines sighting. Now, do you know anything about this, Brie? I don't think I do. Ooh, let me edumacate you. An American West B-757 airliner was flying from Florida to Las Vegas, and it was going right over Texas, right over the 33rd parallel, because, you know, that's the flight it always takes. It flies to Vegas? Yeah. That's dope. Yeah. Florida doesn't fly that far anymore. They usually stop in Texas or Chicago. Well, back in uh, 1995... Side note. 
Continue. <laughs> Back in 1995, they were trying to fly anywhere. You know? Oh, that's cool. So they're on their way to Texas, and as they're flying, the crew saw a row of like bright white lights right outside the window and a little bit below them. And these lights kind of like turned on and off from left to right, so it was like some sort of a weird formation. Now, we have the audio of the pilots calling this in that we're going to play right now. And it's going to, I know. And it's interesting because you're going to hear the back and forth of them being like, yo, we see some weird shit. Air traffic control calling a bunch of places like, what is this? And then jokingly at the end, as all these things always end, well, it's probably some type of UFO. (laughs) (laughs) Click. Exactly. So roll that tape, Brie. Yeah, 
to the north side. And those restricted areas are inactive. There shouldn't be anything going on. Hang on a second. Yeah, I didn't know if you happened to know of anything going on out there. No balloons in the area, no nothing reported. Okay, where is this at again? It's at, uh, well, you know, it's, uh, it's in Tucumcari, New Mexico. It's about 150 miles to the east of Albuquerque. Okay, how far from Holloman? Uh, Holloman, it looks like it's off the 030 Holloman for about uh, 220 miles. Oh, okay, I think. Okay, it's kind of hard for us to see here. Okay, 030 for about 200. Um, we don't have anything going on yeah. that I know of. Yeah, I didn't I, I did know. We've tried everybody else, and nobody else is. This guy definitely saw it run all the way down the side of the airplane. So it was a pretty interesting thing. Okay, out there. So it was at 30,000 feet. 30,000 feet. It was like long. Um, yeah, it, it's right out of it's right out of uh, the X Files. I mean, it's a it's a definite UFO or something like that. I, but I mean, and, and, oh, y'all are serious about this. Yeah, he's real serious about it too. And uh, he looked at it, saw it. No balloons were reported tonight. Nothing in the and area. And it was strobing out the front. He said. Uh, I think the strobe was off the tail end of it. Okay, strobe tail. He said it was kind of, well, it was dark, but uh -huh. he said there was lights in it. How long did he think it was? He said he was 300 to 400 foot long. Holy smokes. Yeah. And we don't have any air carriers out here, so uh, they are strobing along. The only thing that I can do. Yeah, not that far to I mean, the north. Yeah. To me, it would sound like an aerostat, but I, I don't think ours are that big, though. Yeah, no. No, and I, I, they're, they're more like a blimp rather than this sounded yeah. like a, some sort of a flying hot dog or something. And did he say like how big a round kind of No, he didn't really it? have an idea of how big a round it was. So kind of like a plane without wings. Yeah, sort of oh, like that. Okay. We didn't know if it was a cruise missile. Somebody might have fired one out here or something. Because yeah, the white sand missile range is to the south. Did he say how high it was or anything like that? Could you get an idea of that? Yeah, just, just 300 to 400 foot long, but that's it. Okay, well, I mean, I, you know, what we could do is kind of like maybe monitor that area, but, you know, we pick up everything that y'all pick up. Yeah, so yeah, I know. We're not seeing anything yeah. out here at all either. So I, I was just wondering if you happen to know if anything was going on. And did he did he know what the speed was? Uh, no, he didn't really give us an indication of that. He was opposite direction. Okay, and so this guy was up in a, it was in an air, he was in a, okay, and so this guy was up in a, it was in an air, he was in a, like a jetliner? Yeah. Yeah, Air, okay. America West, so. Okay, well, like, a, yeah, because it'd be hard for us to determine if it was a plane unless it was like a 30,000 feet and it yeah. was in our radar coverage and it, like, disappeared or something. Right, yeah. Okay, thanks, I appreciate it. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Bye. Who'd you call? Yes, uh, we had someone call here earlier about a pilot uh, spotting an unidentified flying object. Yep, that's us. Okay, well, hey, we're tracking a, a search-only track kind of where that might have happened. Okay, can you give me a radio and a... Okay, off of Holloman, it is 038 for 283. 283, huh? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, it's about 10 degrees off of what you gave me before and about 80 miles off. Because you gave me 030 for about 200. It's tracking... Huh? It's, it's tracking about 390 knots. We, um, we've been tracking it for about 3-4 minutes now. I mean, to be going that fast, it's got to be up kind of high. And you got no code on it, huh? Nope, it's search only. Give me that 038 at 2-1. Okay, let me do it again. Off of Holloman, 037 for 280. Basically, 035 for 280. Okay, I'll see if I can uh, look up there and see anything. Okay, then. Thanks. Okay. 
as you can see, there's a lot of back and forth happening there, and they're really trying to figure out what's going on. And it makes it interesting because, you know, they, they really didn't know either. And as someone who's a pilot, like, you know these things. You hear them talking about, are there any weather balloons up there? They're asking places, and people are like, no, we don't have any balloons up there. We don't have anything this. Mm. We don't have anything that. Going to the checklist. Exactly. So, you know, they reported this in. And what is cool about it, as you hear them say there, is it starts off as just lights. And then as they keep flying away from it, because it eventually falls behind them, there's like thunderclouds and it ends up in the thunderclouds. And once it's in the thunderclouds is when they notice that it's like this long cigar kind of oblong shape and that it's like a craft and not just lights. So it's interesting from the perspective of being next to it and slightly above it, it looks like one thing, but the farther they get away from it, they're seeing kind of the gravity of it of how big it is. They never really found out what this was. Way later, somebody was like, oh, it was like a private airplane that's like transponder was turned off or something. And, right. You know, some bullshit kind of excuse. But you can hear all of these air traffic control people trying to figure this the fuck out. And it just so happens to happen on the 33rd fucking parallel. I think UFOs just like to hang out over there. I, that's what I, let's go. Should we do like an expedition? I would love that. Expedition aliens, Jamie and Bree. Wait, expedition aliens. Jamie and Brie edition. Texas, famous UFO cases. Yeah, or just freaking tour the whole 33rd parallel. We'll start here in California. We'll go all the way across the country. Then we'll take a flight that only flies on the 33rd parallel as well okay. to the other side. Of the pond? Exactly. And then we'll just we'll just make sure that all of our flights only take the 33rd parallel flight pattern, which is not going to be possible. But, but maybe someone is really rich over here and has I was just gonna a say, cool private jet. So if somebody wants to fund this TV show idea, maybe like Vice or Netflix or like, you know, any of you Fuck people. Fuck HBO. HBO, yeah. <laughs> just two girls. We'll one airplane. <laughs> two girls, one airplane. Two. No, the first one is two girls, one car. Then the second part is two girls, one airplane. Or two girls, one boat. And we could boat oh, across the 33rd. Across. No, that sounds oh. like a shit storm, if you ask me. We'll go through the Bermuda Triangle. <sighs> never come back. I mean, if we have cameras, though, is anything going to happen to then us? Then two girls, one plane will never exist. I like I like this idea. So if me someone too. wants to give us a few million dollars. I mean, that's multiple seasons right there. Yeah. And clearly, if you're listening to this, you're entertained by us, so other people will be too. <laughs> All right, we're going to go into our last topic here. And I thought, in true Texas style, why don't we round this out with a little bit of, like, kind of folklore, kind of like creatures, kind of like, ooh, what could this be? And we're talking about a twofer here, which I thought very interesting. We have Whiteface, Texas, March 10th, 1975. We have crop circles and cow mutilations. They're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> so, cow mutilations have been very well known when it comes to UFOs. We talked about it a lot on the Skinwalker Ranch episode, where that is something that comes up and people say it's either UFOs or it's like maybe the radiation left over from UFOs that are doing this or aliens are coming down and doing experiments. I mean, there's a million different things people say that cow mutilations are. And then we also have this specific case being combined with crop circles. Crop circles are an interesting one to me because we have this whole 50-50 thing again where mm -hmm. lots of people are like crop circles are real, but there's also been a ton of documented hoax cases. What do you believe? Do you think crop circles are real and that all of these hoax cases were done by a government ops agent or a government psyops to like discredit the real stuff? Or do you think that life imitates art and it's just some people who thought it was cool and figured it out how to do it too? It could be a combination of it all. Of it all. That's what's so beautiful about it. 
And in Texas, on the 33rd parallel, we have crop circles and cow mutilations straight colliding into each other. Like I said, March 10th, 1975, a farmer went out and he found a perfectly round 30-foot circle of flattened, rotated grass. What I mean by that is like, it wasn't just like flattened. It's like the stalk was flattened and turned mm -hmm. to kind of go a certain direction, which is very indicative of a lot of these UFO cases. It's not just like, they put a board down and snapped them. It's almost like somebody's dainty fingers exactly snapped a stalk at a certain place and placed it in a certain way for Not a certain reason. Not even snapped. It's elongated. Like Yeah, like bent. And yeah, like the stalks perfect. will never be broken. They're elongated. They grow an extra node on the actual stalk, stalk itself. Where so it turns that's out. why it's been proven that the ones that are real are fucking real. Super real. So in the middle of this circle, what else is there but a mutilated cow? Which you have like interesting because it's like, do you think that the UFO came down in that exact spot? And then like whatever weird thing that was like, un you know, like, you know, they always say like the light under the UFO, the little like blue, 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 blue thing that gets you up. Like maybe that's what does it, it to the plants. It down. Yeah, it like dropped it back down or it was hovering over it and that's where it was experimenting on it at. But what makes it even more interesting is a quarter mile to the west of it in a wheat field. And this is like newly planted wheat. Like it was only like four inches tall. It was like very, very small. You have the exact same 30 foot circle. This one appeared to be like a little burnt, a little scorched earth area going on with a goddamn mutilated cow in the middle of it. So not just one, but you have two in two completely different fields and in two completely different conditions. One that looks like it was, you know, the grass or the, the, the stalks were just kind of like bent and placed down. And the other one that looks a little bit more aggressive and burnt, like it was scorched a little bit. Like maybe they were using a laser beam and it like got off of the cow and into the grass. Maybe they're just doing really cool art and this was... This was part of was, it? Yeah, that was part of the whole display. Okay, well, here's where it gets even a little bit weirder. So the sheriff was called out to come and investigate this. And it, I mean, I don't really know what sheriffs did in the, in the 1970s, <laughs> but like this, this seems a little bit weird to me. But the sheriff just decided to bring out his like radioactive detector and was like, I'm going to test to see if this is radioactive. Well, that's cool. I mean, it is cool, but again, 1975. Like, and why why is that like a police officer's like in their their Just travel bag? Yeah. Us. So this police officer goes with the little thing, you know what I mean? It makes like the little clicky sounds and he's he detects a very small amount of radiation. He decided to call nearby Air Force Base, uh Reese Air Force Base. Pause, time out, hold it. Can you guess what parallel Reese Air Force Base sits on? Is it the 33rd? It's the fucking 33rd parallel. So he called these people from the 33rd fucking parallel Air Force Base is what I'm going to call it now. Although it's not there anymore. It's like a museum because it's, you know, not around because aliens and shit and ghosts probably blew that shit up. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they come out. Now, the sheriff doesn't know anything about the investigation. And no one ever says what the military decided happened. The only piece of information that's out there is that the sheriff reported overhearing the military officers expressing concern about the level of radiation that was there. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun! Were the crop circles and the cows on the 33rd, or is it just... Nope. Whiteface, Texas, where the land is at, is also on the 33rd parallel. Okay. Then in addition to that, all of these military base people who came there came from their Air Force base that was also on the 33rd parallel. Okay. And it's interesting because a lot of these cases in Texas that happened around this time, the place that was investigating it was Reese Air Force Base. So it kind of unofficially, but I'm going to call it officially now, 
Texas's uh, UFO hunters. Cool. That sounds like fun. So all these sightings are pretty crazy. It's very interesting that it's all on this parallel. Exactly. That's going to wrap up our episode for, you know, some more famous things here on the 33rd parallel here, you know, in Texas. I hope we contributed to Texas tourism. I hope everyone wants to go and see it for themselves. Well, I think it might be interesting of us if we can maybe go down state by state and kind of follow these things and check in because it's going to be interesting how many really famous cases actually happen on this 33rd parallel and maybe we'll learn some more that we never even knew about. That sounds like a plan. All right, guys, let's get into our shout outs. We have Anthony, Brandy, Destiny, J Plus, who is at the Kurt Army on Instagram, Matt Tiller, at Tiller for Riller on YouTube, and we have Bobby from at Not For Everyone podcast, Rod, Scotty, Dylan, Vanessa, Simon, AP, Spacey D, welcome to the club. And last but not least, Jan from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. If you guys want to get a hold of us, shoot us an email at that one time I was abducted at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram at that one time I was abducted. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and all social media platforms. And make sure you guys check out our Patreon if you feel like giving us a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash that one time I was abducted by aliens. And then if you guys want, call into our hotline and leave us a message. You could tell us a story. You could just say what's up. You know, whatever's on your mind. Think of us as like your digital alien therapist hotline and just call us with your stories. And the phone number is 408-320-8481. All right, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love you all. Have a beautiful night. You know what? Usually we end every episode with me saying a certain phrase. Just kidding, I'm going to say it anyways. Fuck oh, you, Mountain wow. View! I thought we were actually going to no, change it up for no, once. No, but I wanted like, to trick you. I wanted to, to throw Texas. that. Texas! No. Uh, we love you, Texas, except Bobby. We don't love you. And fuck you, Mountain View. Bye, guys. Hey, Jamie and Bree. This is uh, Bradley. Uh, big fan. Uh, been listening to your podcast for the last few months now. And uh, I've actually shared some stories with uh, Jamie via Reddit. Badger Bradley is my username. But I wanted to share a story with you guys. So uh, about two weeks ago, I was actually in London, England, and we were doing a city tour that the, uh, the guide was taking us through all the, uh, the bloody London tour where you could see all the places where Jack the Ripper had been. Um, but along the way, just making small talk, uh, he brought up the uh, theory that the royal family are actually a reptilian uh, alien race, which I found really interesting as I had not yet mentioned aliens to him, but he also mentioned that uh, most of the buildings in England and London have some sort of reptile on them, some sort of statue or gargoyle or some representation of a reptile, and it it's, has a lot of hitting meaning with this, this theory of the, uh, the royal family being a reptilian family. Anyway, I thought you would... Uh, appreciate that one. Maybe you can look more into that one because I'm too lazy to do the research myself. But I look forward to hearing your next podcast. Thanks, girls. Bye.